again, you were drunk driving in a teleporter. Like, come <laughs> on. Dodge this. I am the father. I'm here on a mission of mercy. There's only one God, man, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. Let's put a smile on that face. I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. Welcome to the real world. This is episode 148 of the Movie Bite Podcast. It is a show where we talk about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, terrible superhero films, and so much more. I'm TJ, your host. I just got back from another dimension, and then we completely skipped a whole year ahead. And joining me tonight are two partners from the extra intradimensional expedition. It is Joe, the thing, Darnell. How are you, Joe? I'm doing fine, TJ, until we started re- reviewing this movie. <laughs> and also joining us tonight is Tim the Torch Smith. How are you, Tim? Wow, I am so honored that I got the Human Torch. Yeah, stoked. I totally thought I was going to get the thing. If it was if it was the Torch from a different movie or the comic <laughs> books, maybe that would be more interesting. I... I, I'm honored because <laughs> the Human Torch in the comics was great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I yeah, think they I'm were... actually pretty happy. I'm not Mr. Stretchy Man. Yeah, I well, I mean, you know, I, I would not, I would not put that character upon you. I'd rather be Sue, no matter what that <laughs> entails, before I would be Mr. Stretchy Man. Yeah. So before we dive into this wretched, awful, terrible, no good for anything movie, it feels like we should talk about a few items of news. Um, and so the first Not thing Marvel bite related, uh, I don't, I feel like I just can't even really deal with Marvel right now. Just because, mm. I mean, I know Marvel itself is fine and the Marvel cinematic universe is fine, but the, just because this is tangentially related to Marvel, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But the okay, first, TJ. the first thing on the docket is that we need to talk about the Steve Jobs TV spot. Two most significant events of the 20th century. The Allies win the war, and this. Your Apple stock's worth $441 million, while your daughter and her mother are on welfare. She's not my daughter! I'm the only one who knows that this guy is someone you invented. What you make isn't supposed to be the best part of you. You're a father. That's what's supposed to be the best part of you. That was from the TV spot for the upcoming Steve Jobs film by uh, director Danny Boyle, uh, who also did uh, films like Slumdog Millionaire and 127 Hours. And the writer of this film is Aaron Sorkin, who wrote things like The Social Network. The film is starring uh, Michael Fassbender as Steve Jobs, who is not my first choice for Steve Jobs, but um, I'm anxious to... Joe, I don't remember if you and I have talked about this. I know I haven't talked with you about this yet, Tim, so I'm anxious to get uh, your thoughts. Uh, let's start with you, Tim. Um, <laughs> I, oh, this I, is going to uh, be good. <laughs> <laughs> this, this doesn't look good at all. Mm. Um, and it's, and, and it, it bums me out because when I heard... When I heard that Aaron Sorkin was writing this, I was really excited about it because I I happened to have loved uh, a series that he wrote for HBO called The Newsroom, um, because it was extremely well written. I I also liked The Social Network, interestingly, mm. 
but but this this looks very sensationalistic. Yep. Uh, and I don't remember. I don't remember any of these Apple keynotes, and I happen to have watched them. So, <laughs> you know, it to to me it 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 doesn't look much like reality. Uh, yeah. Which 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 I think in in a certain sense I feel like we haven't gotten a film uh, that has done a really good job because Jobs was kind of not good. I think Ashton Kutcher got the walk down, but that was about it. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Okay, Joe, uh, I'm sure you, I know you have thoughts. You're you're an uh, Apple uh, person. Yes. You like Apple. You I'm, love Apple. Yeah, I'm an Apple fan. I am also a Steve fan. I think I was a Steve fan before I was an Apple fan. Interesting. Because, just the way it fell together because I used Mac computers but didn't really know why I should favor them over Microsoft-based PC computers at the time back in 1999, 90, uh, 98. When the iMacs came around, I thought they were beautiful machines so I happened to be at Micro Center one day. I saw a great-looking biography on the shelf called iJobs. And uh, I was 13, and that t- catchy title worked on me. Mm. So I picked it up, and I checked it out. Actually, was I 13? No, I was 18. Wow. Okay, so it it was a good read, and I fell in love with the man. I thought he, was an, he made an interesting leader at the tech company. And over the years, I spent about as much time thinking about what Jobs was doing leading the company as I did about what Apple was actually putting out. So this movie feels like it's just a a, a shoddy, sensationalized tribute to what the media wants to think of the man, not what the man actually was. And then it has this false pretense going on throughout the trailer <laughs> that – Somehow, supposedly, it's giving us the true story. Right, yes. It, it suggests that by the statements made of various characters. And I, I, I'm i really disappointed. You know what's really sad, though, is that you know people like us, we have a hard t- time taking this movie seriously or casually because as entertainment value, it's not especially entertaining when you know that they're just butchering history, whether you're vested in that history or not. Mm. And then the fact that they could have easily done such a better job with that history because it was recent and there are plenty of people still alive that knew the man. And it's possible some of the filmmakers even met Steve Jobs when he was alive. And now they're just treating him like a pretentious jerk in like the truest sense of the word, like <laughs> a, a two-dimensional cardboard cutout. Yes. I, I think this is pretty lame. So you, you're, you're, not, you're not happy about this. Uh, TJ, how do you feel? <laughs> How do I feel? Well, okay, so um, I uh, I definitely am interested in Apple and Steve Jobs. Um, I have become much more of a critic over the last few years of Apple, but I still really love Apple, and I, I believe that I'm a critic because I love Apple. And I, I love what Steve Jobs was able to do. Like, I love the story of Steve Jobs and what he was able to do. I, I love that he he was not great at doing what he became known for when he started Apple, he, he had a lot of concepts and things that were good, but then he kind of really threw it all in the trash. And, uh, you, you know, there's other bad guys, uh, you know, that, that were involved in that story, too. But Steve Jobs himself was kind of a bad guy uh, in the story at that point. And he kind of had to go away into the wilderness for a while. And then he came back and rescued Apple like they were 90 days from bankruptcy when he came back. I mean, that is a fantastic story. There is no doubt that that story needs to be told it has not been told well yet. 
Um, I didn't hate Jobs, the 2013 film starring Ashton Kutcher, and in fact, I thought that um, Ashton Kutcher's uh, resemblance to Steve Jobs was uncanny. I think his walk was a little overplayed. Um, just, just speaking <laughs> speaking to the to that particular thing, since you brought it up, Tim. But I, I do think that his resemblance to Jobs is uncanny, and I don't, I didn't hate the film. I th- I thought it was fine. I felt like it could have been better. I had some stern criticisms of it, but I enjoyed watching it, and I will probably watch it again sometime. But I, I still don't think the story has been told well in the way that I want it to be told. Um, so we come now to the Steve Jobs film coming up that we were talking about, starring Michael Fassbender. And the first trailer and this trailer both make me feel really sad because it, it feels exactly like a sensationalized pile of garbage. Um, yeah. I, 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 if there's anything yeah. redeeming about this trailer, about the, what, what it looks like this film is going to do, we can only speak about what we think it's going to do at this point. Um, but if there's anything redeeming about it, it is that it doesn't idolize Steve Jobs too highly. It, it certainly is, is going to examine his flaws as well as possibly what was great about him. We don't – they certainly well, are – again, maybe that's just the yarn they're pitching for the trailers too. It, it could be, Attract yeah. you to the movie. They, they know that they have to use their – most sensational material for the trailer. It's quite possible, right, that the film will actually be good. And and certainly from the look of this trailer, like you know, like we're talking about, it's not going to cast Steve Jobs in this, you know, the, the halo light. Like he's not going to have a halo over his head. And I think that's good because as much as Steve Jobs brought to Apple, he certainly had some severe flaws. Um and some I, I have much criticism of of what he did as well though I think that he was really good for Apple and obviously <laughs> so I, I just I have such mixed feelings about this trailer mostly on the side of not going to be good. It's not going to be a good film. I, I, I don't believe it is. I think it's too sensationalized. <sighs> yeah, it's a shame, shameful opportunity going down the drain. Yeah, I agree. So that's that's what we have to say about that. But it's interesting and I'll certainly watch it. I mean, it's interesting to watch um, mm-hmm. I, and I think it's going no, to be interesting. Watch. Yeah, at, at least we have Fantastic Four. Yeah, there is that. <laughs> I think this 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 film will be miles better, loads better, way better. What what other words can I use? It's going to be much better than Fantastic Four, the, the 2015 film. It could be the second worst <sighs> superhero film of the year. Okay. okay well, anyway, well, speaking we're of superheroes, that yet. yes. Speaking of superheroes, Joe, do you want to introduce yeah. us to this? Yeah, we got this uh, Lego trailer, a, a Lego film trailer called. Uh, uh, well, it's not called that. It's called Lego Dimensions. Yes. Worlds collide in Lego's dimensions. It seems like it's a spinoff of the Lego Movie. It's a computer animated film. All happens in the Lego world. It's made for kids, not by kids, but probably for kids. Oh, and for sure. You know, the nerds are going to like it because Lego is on a roll. They, they just know how to make entertaining stories for all ages. If you're the geek, I think you'll want to check it, this out. It's, it's just interesting what they can do these days. Lego is a melting pot for things they invented, but also pop culture on just all different corners. So at this point, they can appeal to young and old and guys and girls and and then they're doing this interdimensional thing, which is a playoff of what they did in the movie, and it mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. But at the same time, I'm pretty glad they're not taking Lego Movie 2 in this direction and telling the story as the next motion picture oh, sure. in theaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just by the look of it, um, it seems like it's better as a straight-to-home entertainment release. What do you all think? Well, this <laughs> this trailer is, is, is in the show outline purely because uh, the game looks like a lot of fun and the trailer was a lot of fun. I, I, I agree with you. I would not want a film made like this. 
But before we go much further, let's let's just get a taste of, of what we're dealing with here. So that's uh, from the trailer for the video game. <laughs> that is over the top. That's so Elijah Wood, and it's from the movie, but that is so over the top. Uh, I thought it was fun. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this trailer. This this is the sort of thing where it makes – I'm not into games like this necessarily. Um, uh, my, my gaming sensibilities are much more old school. But I I I want to play this. Like this looks like a lot of fun. I mean yeah, the, the you know, idea is they're mixing all the Lego characters together into one big pot – you know sort of storyline and and you get to play the characters i guess it just right, it see, just looks so fun minute, well a minute ago i didn't talk about it like it were a video game and because the whole trailer doesn't look like a video game it looks like it's one of their straight to netflix movies you know it's mm. that's what it feels like because they don't show the game in action they show like scenes from the game you know that you may see in between levels i guess it looked like there was a lot of cut scenes in this trailer yeah yeah and that's all you get to really see uh, man, fantastic with what you can do with graphics these days. Yes. It, it doesn't aren't, look as good as real Legos, but it's getting close. Aren't they actually making a Lego Batman movie, though? I think so, yes. Uh, it's definitely, with, yeah. Uh, with, I, with uh, what's his name? He 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 was in the Lego movie, right? Yes, Playing Batman. Yes, yes. I know who you're talking about. I'm looking it up. The Lego movie. <laughs> and it is uh, Will Arnett. Makes total sense. Will Arnett. Yes, there we go. Yes. Pretty sure he's going to be the voice of the Lego Batman for the foreseeable future because he was yeah. fantastic. <laughs> Don't be surprised if it's one of you know fan one of the fan favorites. Just a an all around great Batman movie. Yeah, I don't. Hmm, I don't see dimensions listed here in his profile, but I'm pretty sure now he's need, doing the voice. Yeah. Now we need a uh, a Chris Pratt leading Jurassic World Lego movie. <sighs> Why not? Just no. because. But <laughs> Harry Potter okay. revisited. Tim, Tim, what do you think? You wanna, before before Joe really derails us, do you, do you want to play this game? Um, no, 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 no. This isn't video game bite, dude. This but is it, it, it's a trailer. I wanted to talk about it. Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, I it, it does look very entertaining uh, for for some, uh, but <laughs> but this is this isn't the my my thing. I guess. Fine, mm. fine. I thought it looked. It was the, if it were a movie, I would watch it though. I, 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 I really, really enjoy the Lego movie. Yeah, yeah it's true. the kind of thing I would want to play with my kids. But my kids aren't interested in Lego video games just yet. Well, I think the greater point here is that Lego is killing it lately. Like they're they're just they're, they've got a lot of good oh, yeah. stuff going on. They don't know how to not make money at this point. Yeah, they're just, they're just like growing money out on their money farm and, and harvesting it. It's what they're doing. <laughs> Pretty uh, exciting stuff. <laughs> What's that? I want one of those. Oh, I definitely want one of those. A Lego money making tree. Ooh, I can't believe yeah. that you don't want to play this, Tim. You make me sad. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm, grow it's up, okay. Ah, uh, Joe. You had, that. You had that. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, um, I wanted to talk about before we start getting into uh, the Fantastic Four garbage. Uh, I wanted to talk just a little bit about this. I haven't. I've, I've only mm. watched about ten minutes of it. I had, didn't have time before the podcast. Something that makes you happy. Yes, this is something that makes me very happy. 
Um, this is a thoughtful 30-minute retrospective on the making of Back to the Future. And from what little bit I watched, the opening uh, like sequence was a little too long, but once you start getting into his retrospective, I, I thought it, it seemed like it was going to be a really good thing, and I'm like 10 minutes in. So um, it's, it's a 30-minute little thing, and it's like I said, it's a retrospective. Um, so I'm uh, this is, I suppose, a recommendation from me for you to go watch uh, I'm a huge Back to the Future fan, um, and Joe, I know you are, and uh, I believe Tim, you said that you are. So, yes. um, very much go, go, go watch. This is going to be in the show notes. Joe, where can people find the show notes? They can find that at moviebyte.com/slash moviebytepd, or is it MB <laughs> Podcast? <laughs> wow, I'm gonna I'm gonna take over. You can find those at moviebyte.com/slash MB slash one forty eighth because this is our one forty eighth episode. Yeah, that was a URL fail. <laughs> <laughs> we will we will uh, we'll fix it in post. Nobody will ever hear that. Okay, so um, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool uh, retrospective um, on Back to the Future. Uh, you know, when, so Back to the Future. How old is it now? Is it? Is it? Let's see. It came out in, in 1985, right? That's why it was set in 1985. <laughs> well, the first film is 85. Yeah, yeah. The others so, were in 89. So we're, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's 20 years old now, right? 85, 95, 2005. It's 30 years old. Goodness, my my. Now I'm having math fail. You're having URL fail. I'm having math fail. It is yes. 30 years old. So and it, it wow. it's it's amazing just how well the film actually the first film to me holds up like it's it's yeah. it's very much of its time but that's okay for what it is it's it's really well, it also transcends a lot of the other movies that were great hits for that time it's yes really surpassed them i i don't i mean like i've shown this to my kids and my kids don't like many you know adult-minded films you know mm. they're they're really into this movie and i'm really happy to see that i, I can't get them to watch some things dj that i feel like like what? surely by now like what you know the original superman with christopher reeves oh that's a must you have to like that toby mcguire's you know sam raimi's <laughs> spider-man i can't get them into those exciting what? films yeah but i could get them to watch back to the futures parts you know well okay uh, that's one somewhat two, redeeming three, so redeeming yeah, yeah. Do, do you think that we could get a hold of a delorean and go back in time and erase all yes. traces in existence of you know where I'm going with this a Fantastic Four 2015. <laughs> <laughs> well, for that matter, just any film to do with Fantastic Four would be great. Let's check yeah, all of them. Out. I I'd have to agree with that one. Mm, the, the first the first two weren't all that great either. <laughs> interesting, interesting. Tim, what do you make of the, the Silver Surfer one? I never saw that. I, I would erase Silver Surfer. I just Surfer. think that the suck of of the one <laughs> of this year is just making you think that the other ones were better. Uh, that's not mm, okay. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. That's not true, but we'll get to it. Uh, I but but I would definitely uh, there's a there's a few films in this world that I would like to erase with my time machine, my DeLorean, and that and and this year's film. Fantastic Four would certainly be one of them. I would just erase it, just gone. I and, and and somehow I'd like to get it to affect the timeline retroactively to erase it from my own brain too. Well, there's our review, guys. Good night. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. We're out of here. <laughs> well, okay. So we we need to start moving, start barreling towards this disaster of a train wreck of a of a uh, I don't know whatever it is. Um, the first thing thoughts, TJ. Uh, Do I'm you sorry? need some? Do you, uh, some thoughts, a, a penny for your thoughts. Uh, Anything okay. for your thoughts. Teacher. Well, before we get to the review of Fantastic Four, there are some links in the show outline <laughs> related to Fantastic Four that we need to talk about. They're better than the movie. This is, I, I have to believe this is a joke. Is this not a joke? Fox faces huge Fantastic Four write-off. Sequel plan still rumored. 
The new Fantastic Four was a great disappointment, arriving as a hollowed-out shell of a movie with little character development, baffling internal logic, and lackluster, lackluster effects. Devastating critical reaction and thin marketing campaign on Fox's part led to a dismal box office, with one analyst concluding that the film would cause Fox to take a $60 million write-down. Despite the financial report, however, the rumor is that Fox is still planning a Fantastic Four sequel. I would not blame the success or failure of this movie on the marketing department at all. No. 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 Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And, and But the thing is, they're – of course they're going to do a sequel. They're, they are not willing to give those rights back to Marvel. Is that, so they have to do a sequel. Mm. The, Did you notice that this movie was well, – well, uh, Stan Lee was listed as one of the executive producers? Well, he is on everything. Ah. <sighs> It's not his fault. It's not his fault. He's he's getting on up in years, and he's his name is just attached to a lot of things. Sick. <sighs> this, this, uh, yeah. Hmm. Uh, how how do you still plan a sequel okay. after this flop? How do you still plan a sequel? Okay. The only way I can imagine an excuse for the sequel is that even the Rescuers had a sequel, and that was the Rescuers Down Under, which by the way was way better than the Rescuers. Yes. Way better. Way better. Tim, do you have be an done. opinion on that? I I never watched the Rescuers. Don't blame fight. You're fired. Get out. Pack your bags. <laughs> You're fired, but I don't blame you. Now, the Rescuers, yeah. and you never watched Rescuers Down Under? No. Oh, my word. See, now, I... I you can skip the first you film. You can skip Just go the, the Rescuers. The you really don't even need it. The Rescuers really Down don't. Under, it's, it's a fantastic. Classic. Fantastic. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how you can get through life without watching and having watched The Rescuers Down Under. But I, will, it's kind of, I, will, I would put it the same class it. as The Iron Giant with more humor, but it's, it's, oh, it's not like a traditional cartoon. It's... A little bit different. It's a little bit more self-aware, and then it yeah. just happens to pull off a great theme. Yeah, yeah. The only reason I, I say it, it would be a little hard for me to completely just outright recommend don't don't even watch the rescuers is because you do get a little bit of character development with the mice that you is nice to have when you go into rescuers down under. But the rescuers is not a good film. Maybe they should hire the mice to act as the Fantastic Four in the sequel. That would have been far better. Far better. Mm. <sighs> We're just ideas men here, you know. So some some interesting facts, and 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 it's the reason why I tell you that there there has to be a sequel after this is that they they push production till the end of their seven years. They started production, I think, um, if I'm not mistaken, this year, didn't they? This year, I find that hard to. Or was believe. it last year? It had to have been last. It had to year. be last year. It had right? to be. Yeah, it just knowing how long it takes to get a film through post, it had to be last year. So, so at this point, the earliest that the rights could go back to Marvel without Fox having to do some type of, um, some type of deal with them is is twenty twenty two. So, well, Fantastic Four is in such sorry shape. I don't think Marvel proper Marvel Cinematic Universe needs them right now. <sighs> No. Um, all right. Think, well, think about this too. Even the original poorly done you know, Fantastic Four movie ended up with the sequel with, about the Silver Surfer. I mean, well, uh, no one thought make, that that okay. film deserved a sequel I, I, either. Yeah. You keep making me want to say things about the first two Fantastic Four movies, but we're, we're coming to that. I want to talk about this next link. Uh, it, it, it is, again, from SlashFilm.com. I, I just sort of browsed SlashFilm.com today and pulled in a bunch of links from there. <laughs> uh, Josh <laughs> Trank tweets and then deletes Lament over Fantastic Four Final Cut. Um, yeah. He said, and I, I saw this briefly and then, of course, it disappeared. A year ago, I had a fantastic version of this, and it would have received great reviews. You'll probably never <laughs> see it. That's reality, though. 
So things were not going well between the sure. director Josh Trank and the uh, producers in the uh, the studio. That, that's that's pretty indicative. That I don't know that we would have liked Josh Trank's version better or not because we don't we haven't seen it. But there are indications that it would have been at least better. Um, yeah. I, I, has, has there ever has there ever ever been a on record any studio interference that has resulted in a better film? Can you think? Can you name one? I can't. Anytime we know that there's a studio interference, you can you can see exactly what it was, and you can see how it made it such a a, a terrible you know made it that much worse. Yeah. Well, you could almost say indirectly we got the original Toy Story just because Disney kept on challenging the guys at Pixar. If it hadn't been for but, but, but the, the my challenges. understanding of the way that worked though is that Disney did not meddle. They just said to Pixar, "We think you can do better." And so true. Pixar themselves that's went true. and fixed it. Yeah, that's, that's it. And, a kind and, and of how to There's look at it. rumors that Josh Trank was locked out of the editing. Um, you know, they basically sent him home. Disney just, did metal, though. They required them to insert things like musical numbers. Originally, they wanted seven or so music numbers, just like any Disney film. Mm. And eventually, Pixar wore them down to just having two. It, it, they made a couple of things like that that were, you know, imperatives you must do these things you You just had to go and drop a bomb on my example on my on my thing didn't you no but you're right i mean like in in 99.999 cases i completely agree with your statement well yeah Yeah. because anytime you know about studio interference except obviously apparently for toy story um it results (laughs) in a worse film like like think of how much better avengers age of ultron would have been if we had gotten josh whedon's pure vision i mean yeah that's that's what i was about to say actually that I mean, it, this even applies to Marvel Studios themselves. Yes. That they that they meddled with Joss Whedon's vision, and and we got Age of Ultron, which was good. It was don't, fine. don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't his version, which I think is so dumb, considering how amazing he did for the first one. Yeah. Uh, I I don't understand after 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 having him give you a movie that makes you that amount of money. Why you don't just give them more money and say, do whatever you want. Yeah. you. I, I don't get it. At the same time, I'm not a fan of telling filmmakers, do whatever you want. I think it breeds uh, arrogance and laziness. And I think we've seen, <laughs> uh, I think we've seen filmmakers succumb to this. But I don't think that Joss Whedon was at that place. <laughs> yes, but I'm just saying. I, 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 think, I yeah. don't think so either. <laughs> so I think that Joss Whedon's film, that he, the film that he wanted to make would have been far better than the film that we got. Not that, the, again, like you say, not that it was a bad film. But I think it's it's the it, it proves the rule that I'm I'm saying here. The Toy Story being the exception that when you when you meddle in the studio and the producers, you know, they're the, the pencil pushers meddle with the creative vision of the film. You're going to have a bad time. It's just here's, not going to work. Here's my question, though, because I have I've understood that Josh Trank was hired to do a Star Wars film as well, and because of this Fantastic Four stuff, even before the movie had come out, I think. Uh, he was fired from that job. So Ouch. I don't understand whether it's Josh Trank or it was actually Fox. I have a feeling that it was Fox, but I I also have a feeling that Josh Trank is kind of difficult to work yeah, with. Yeah, I think it may have been both. I think that yeah. it just started to escalate and they both got hard to work yeah. with each other. And of course, the studio is in control. And so Josh Trank is, was the loser. Um yeah. So, so that leads us to this other link that's in the show outline before we get to the review proper, and that is uh, th- this article by Ethan Anderton. Over As if slash listeners film. don't know what we feel already. Yes. What went wrong with Fantastic Four plus see a dozen trailer shots cut from the movie? So it's a pretty good read. Um, it talks about Josh Trank's behavior 
uh, which I my read on this is that uh, it was escalated by the studio, and then he basically got hard to work with, and then they got hard to work with, and it just it just continued to escalate. Um, he's denying, of course, everything, of course, because his career is on the line here. Obviously, he's already yeah. lost a Star Wars film that he was going to direct. Um, but there's definitely hints, and and if you read through this article, and you read, there's it's a paginated three page article however you feel about that uh but um it's it's uh there's definitely a lot of hints in here that josh trank is is not not he does not bear the 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 majority of the blame i would say i would say that lies with 20th century fox yeah that's my read on the on the situation yeah Mm. i i have to agree with that all right. Well, all those links will be in the show mm-hmm. notes uh, and, and leading up into our review. So now let us get into this review. When I grow up, I want to be the first person to teleport himself. Even if you could build it. I've already built it. Is it next to your flying car? <laughs> I'm not working on that anymore. into the unknown but sometimes you're looking to discover one thing and you find something else that was from the trailer for fantastic four the 2015 version it was released on august the 7th of 2015 it had a budget of 120 million and it opened to 25.6 million, and thus far, the worldwide gross is 62 million. The critics uh, all have a consensus, and that is that it is dull and downbeat. This Fantastic Four proves a woefully misguided attempt to translate a classic comic series without the humor, joy, or colorful thrills that made it great. The director, as we've already mentioned, was Josh Trank, and the writers were Jeremy Slater, Simon Kinberg, and Josh Trank. The stars of this film were Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm, Kate Mara as Sue Storm, Miles Teller as Reed Richards, Jamie Bell as Ben Grimm, Tony Kebble as Victor Damashev Von Doom, Tim Blake Nelson as Harvey Elder, and Reg E. Cathy as Dr. Franklin Storm. The composers were Marco Beltrami and Philip Glass. And Joe, we have now come to your portion of the, what you normally read, so why don't you, yes. why don't you give us that? Okay, I have two takes on the storyline for this movie. I'm going to give you one that tries to depict this movie in the best possible light and then one that's a little bit more honest. (laughs) Okay, let's hear it. Friends, Reed Richards and Ben Grimm have worked together on a prototype teleporter since childhood, which eventually attracted the attention of Professor Franklin Storm, director of the Baxter Foundation, a government-sponsored research institute for young prodigies. Reed is recruited to join them and aid Storm's children, student scientist Sue Storm, and technician Johnny Storm to complete a quantum gate designed by Storm's wayward protege, Victor Von Doom. They design a portal to a universe in another dimension to gather new energy resources. But once the brilliant student scientists make their way to planet zero in the other dimension, new elements energy forces, and problems beyond their control blow up and catch them off guard. 
Now that the young researchers are endowed with otherworldly superpowers, the government seizes this opportunity to use them like lab rats for scientific research. It's up to the band of misfit geniuses to regain their freedom, cure themselves of their mutant powers, and put an end to the dangers of Planet Zero. Wait, that one was supposed to make it sound good? Yeah, uh, yeah, that, that was my best attempt. I wrote that myself. Okay, so, so here is uh, uh, one other reviewer's uh, analysis. This is how he put it. Mildly nerdy but not really high school kid does science experiments that eventually lead to a mishap. Said mishap gives him and his friends mutant powers. One of them turns evil and starts killing people, then declares that the entire Earth must be destroyed. The four mutant teens resist being turned into military weapons they by do? government villains. <laughs> Instead, opting to save the world on their own terms. They do? Climactic battle involving teamwork and cool special effects ensues. And teamwork? they succeed. I'm sorry, I can't I can't do this, Joe. I can't Saving do it. the world from extinction at the hands of a maniacal villain has never been more boring. <laughs> oh. It is so hard to take this movie seriously. Before we continue, I just have to say that in all the history of Movie Bite, TJ, you um, always would say at the top of the show how we – this is a show where we praise, lament, and lampoon movies. Uh-huh. And I never uh-huh. felt like lampooning a movie. And even when we did for a film that deserve it, I never especially relished it. This is the first time I'm really into this idea of lampooning a movie. <laughs> I, I can get behind this now. I understand what you were going for. There are there are some words in my written bulleted notes that I'm not going to use in this podcast. I'm just going to say. I, can I was, Tim say them? Uh, can Tim use those words? Uh, no, I'd have, to, I'd have to bleep them out. Let's put it that way. This is not a good movie. This, 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 is, pro- this is probably the that's an understatement. S- this is probably the second worst movie I've seen in my life. All right, that's, uh, that's got to be an exaggeration. I don't. I don't think I'm exaggerating. I'm, I'm really trying to think. The only movie that I would rank lower in the, the, this time that I can think of is Cloud Atlas. And and everybody, if if you if you if you anybody listened to that review. Um, or read oh, my yeah. review at the time I was writing reviews, you might remember that I, I kind of hated that with like all of my heart. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh man. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Tim, Tim. Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of running out of words here. Why don't you please second all the oxygen out of the show quickly. <laughs> we got to hurry. I'm going to die here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. Am I supposed to give my initial thoughts then? Yes, let's do that. Um, Okay, so here here it goes. My initial thoughts is that this movie is terrible. And and the reason for it is because I think this movie does a horrible job of presenting characters that I personally have come to love. If you read or if you read uh the the Fantastic 4 comics, they're great and they're characters that um that I think you can identify with sympathize with again i'm bored with um i i especially love the fantastic four's role in civil war um and uh and also in in age of ultron actually um and and in the comics i mean uh and and uh, i i was just so disappointed by this movie because i i think 
Um, there, there are various problems with it. I don't like how the characters were developed. I don't think the personalities of the characters match with what I know. What personalities? Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, of the characters that I know of. Um, I, I felt that right now when you played the trailer, the music actually sounded good. Interesting. But I don't remember hearing that. Yeah, I in the film. I, frankly, I thought the music was terrible in, in the trailer. In the in, in the movie. Oh, okay. Which the, is odd because I I tend to like I, I mean I like the other Marco Beltrami scores that I've heard. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um. Let's see what else. Yeah, I I think I'll I'll stop there for now. Okay. But, but those are those are my initial thoughts. Okay, Joe, give us your initial thoughts. Mm, I was thinking to myself after seeing this movie. Why was this movie even made? We've already kind of touched on that in our pre-discussion. But I think it's worth saying just again that it's because Sony needs to do something mm -hmm. with all their uh, money Fox. and make business. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I keep thinking Sony because of Spider-Man. Right. But I, I should be saying Fox. 20th Century Fox is to blame here, people. It feels like it came out of a DC Comics world. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And – I, I, I feel like there's a special marriage now between Marvel and movie making where they feel like they ultimately should make a movie for everything, for all Marvel properties. Inevitably, we were going to get a, a retelling of Fantastic Four. I mean, we already have a, retail, a reboot of Spider-Man and we're about to get a third. They cannot help themselves at this time to keep the, the movie making machine going for as many of their properties as they can spin at one time. So there's no question that there would be future films now with Ant-Man and the like. And we should expect more as soon as they're done with whatever they're doing with the X-Men nowadays and going back to this other generation that starts their stories in the 60s. They're just going to reboot it again. It's like they cannot help themselves. They're just going to do this at this point. So it doesn't mean that with more and more films, they're just going to get worse and worse, but that – that is why these movies are being made. It's it's not purely about the money. It's because the creative people, the talent there at Marvel, and anyone with attachment to their properties genuinely believes they have a gold mine that they can keep returning to that's just constantly going to give them great material to work with. Mm. Obviously, you know, what's his name, Trank? He, he believed in this movie at one time. He, he didn't just, uh, you know, like throw it to the wind and, you know, uh, you know just come in – to the office and make a lousy movie because his heart wasn't in it at the beginning. No, it's like uh, they actually thought that they were making a quality film at some point in the game. And I, I just want to keep that in mind when we're reviewing that this movie that we can't necessarily blame it all on a bunch of, you know, uh, money grubbing, you know, producers at the top of the food chain that just wanted more and more money. It wasn't like this was just a product of the machine. This was also a product of love that turned out badly, just like, you know, the date you always wanted to have that turns out badly. You know, it does happen. And I, I feel like that's what's show? happened here. Uh, no, never in my life. But people tell me stories. I, I couldn't disagree more with what you just said. But okay. I, uh, I want we'll to hear. No, no, no. I want to hear this. I, I, I disagree with you. I don't I don't think that I, I don't think that we cannot blame uh, the these top of the line people um, for being money grubbers because yeah you can convince me that Josh Trank wanted to make a good film you can convince me that the actors wanted to make a good film mm -hmm. um, but when you notice and when you see so plainly that the studio has 
has meddled and and gotten their hands like filthy with trying to trying to do things with the film and and, and make it to their um to their likes uh it, it 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 just doesn't bode well for them not to mention the the fact that for me it is already a bad sign that they pushed all the way to the end of their amount of time that they had the rights to make this movie mm. why make it all the way at the end of your time to me that that doesn't show good faith you're saying it's in, purely, in this film. purely a cash grab i i believe so and i believe it, it it's also a, a a thing to keep the rights and not give it back to Marvel. Yeah. Um, because I, I, I don't know how Marvel would use the rights if they receive them. Uh, but I do know that the Fantastic Four were a huge part of, again, Civil War and Age of Ultron, which are two storylines that they are and were focused on. Yeah. So they could have used them if they wanted to. Um, or if they had them. S- yeah, if they had them. So I, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I, I think it's totally, totally money grubbing, and I definitely blame Fox for this, for this horrendous <laughs> film. Yeah. Well, I don't. I, I know that Fox is to blame for the existence of the film, but I, I can't say that they're purely uh, doing it and they made a horrible film just because they're greedy bastards. You know, I think there's more <laughs> nuance going on here. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Not a lot more nuance, Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm more with Tim on this than with you. Uh, I think that, the, that it was like, oh my gosh, we're about to lose the rights. Let's make another film. No, no, no. Think about it. They were already getting a movie made by a, a capable director and writer. Why did they choose to you know, get involved in the metal? Like, it, they, they didn't have to do that. They were already going to get their movie. Why, that's my question. Like, what was the causation for their involvement to actually tamper with this story? With yeah, this that film? is that is always a good question. What was the motivation for tampering with the story? I mean, especially when it, it, that's what we don't know. Yeah, like I, I'm not questioning why did they even bother to. I, mean, I know I asked a minute ago why did they we get this movie, but I'm now questioning like why did it turn out you know to be a horrible <laughs> to suck? It, and yeah. I don't think it's because. Hollywood producers just hate movies and they want to make bad movies because they love making bad movies. It's it's there's more to it than that. I have some theories about about why the the the, the studio meddled and why it turned out so poorly. And my my prevailing theory, the one that I believe I, I I think I hold to, is that Josh Trank's film, his original film, was not a great film. It was not the blockbuster they were hoping for. It it, it was not. Um, when they saw the you know his cut and and his draft of the film, and they thought, well, we need to do something to amp it up and make it different and make it more like every other you know superhero blockbuster film, so we can get more money out of it. And so, what I think would have happened is that we would have gotten an okay, but not a great film, but it would have been better than this. It would have been more like three star material. But instead, they wanted to meddle and, and try to make it better, and so we got this terrible cobbled together cyborg of a film that right. has and they no did heart spin. and soul. One hundred and twenty million dollars in this film. Yeah, which I mean, which actually is not reported. It's it's low for a superhero film. Most most superhero films have a higher budget than that. Yeah, yeah most superhero films at this point, yes, because of special effects and their their casts. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah Robert you, Downey Jr. costs yeah. as much as a movie at this point. Yes, yes. So my, my general opening kind of thoughts here. Uh, I know we're kind of all over the place, and that's fine because we are going to be with this film. But my my general <laughs> opening thoughts are: um, I want to start with the the two thousand five film. I, I don't think it was a great film. It, it was not. Uh, it was not fantastic. It was not wonderful. But at the t- at the time, you got to remember this is before Iron Man. This is before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And at the time, it kind of scratched an itch that I had, and I I enjoyed it. <laughs> I 
I liked it. That was it. a really disgusting itch, TJ. <laughs> I liked it for what it was, and I'm ignoring that. You um, should have left that itch alone. And I thought that it was fine. And um, this this podcast, is is this a show? Is this what people tune in for? Um, so so I thought it was fine. It, it's not it's not gold. It's not uh, it's not Shakespeare or anything, but it was fine. I, I didn't hate I'm it. Gonna and add I, the I had a mild, for mild. The original Fantastic Four to the show notes for this episode. Yes. Are you done? Yes, go ahead. Okay, you can continue. <laughs> I, I had I had a mild like for the 2005 film. And then I saw Rise of the Silver Surfer and I wanted to murder the filmmakers. It was terrible. It was it was way worse than than even that. But both of those films, both of those films next to this film are pure solid gold. I mean, <laughs> yeah, both of those films are solid gold. And and I'm not saying that Silver Surfer is a good movie because it's not. Oh, jeez. So, um I <laughs> In retrospect now, I, I, and I kind of knew this going in, when I saw the Marvel logo come up, even though it's not their new you know, 3D logo, it's still the Marvel logo. And my, my thought was, how many people see this and think that it's just Marvel? Like, that's all right. they know. Right. And yeah, I hate, for all I they know, hate, it's Joss Whedon's material as well. Yeah, I hate seeing Marvel's logo sullied with this film. That, that was my overwhelming sensation about this film when I went into yeah. it. Um, the only thing, the only thing that could have made this movie worse is if Michael Bay directed it. I think that may be the only thing that could have made this movie worse. So, so in a very unique way. (laughs) So, so is this the? I've been asking myself this question, and I want to ask this of you as well. But uh, I want to answer it first. Is this the worst movie that I've seen this year? And I have to say yes. And that includes that includes Terminator Genesis, Jurassic World. Um, the home, I know the homes one came out last year, but I saw it this year and, um, I would pick a bone with you about Jurassic world. Just saying why they do. They like it. TJ. I'm afraid to tell you this. You may want to lock your doors at night. Yeah. People do like the Jurassic world. It was not a good movie. It was not. I I didn't watch both of those. Actually. I did myself a favor. Good. You're, you're, you're better off. You probably heard our review and shied away. Um, so th- this film just completely failed to engage me at any point. There was no point at which I was like, yes, I'm, I'm invested in this film. Not, not, not a point at which it grabbed me. So is, are you both of you in agreement that this is the worst film you've seen this year? Yes. Yes. And I want to note while we're bringing this up, I feel like those that have not seen the movie may, may, uh, not understand. So I want to paint a little bit more of the picture here. Mm-hmm. This film isn't bad because of its production values. It looks like a big, big budget film mm. first glance. At first glance, I disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly. Yeah. At first glance, it it looks it looks good. I mean, no. what nope. are y'all looking at? Uh, no, it doesn't. It, it was the worst special effects work I've seen on a yes. film of of this caliber in a very long time. Uh, I, 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 when I when I saw the budget, I understood. Oh, that's why it looked that way. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I I didn't buy Thing any of that. Terrible. It was terrible. See, terrible. I, I know it didn't look very creative. I know it didn't look especially original. I I, I knew that the cast wasn't the most it, it inspired. Plasticky. I knew the director Joe, anytime wasn't there the was best. CGI on the screen, it looked like plastic. Yeah. Really? See, I, I didn't notice that. I was actually really impressed by the thing. I thought he looked way better okay, than he did. Okay, I'll in give the you that. He looked films. good. He did look and good. They, they did something horrible to his voice, too. That's like, true. Like, that was, was disappointing. Their, what was wrong with the mixing? That they did with his voice because when he would talk, when he would talk normally, you could understand him and it sounded semi-okay. I think Although, that they were going for a bad Bane impression. Mm, well, <laughs> I but, was but, born and, in the dark. I bred by it. 
<laughs> but, but then when when the thing would talk loudly or, or he would scream, you would hear this weirdness. Yes, in the it voice, sounded like distortion, like a, flanger, like a cheap distortion. Yeah, like a like like the flanger. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That mm-hmm. you can put. It, it looked terrible. Yeah, it sounded terrible. He looked terrible. See, uh, I I, I was happy. I thought he looked okay. That was the only thing in the movie I thought looked okay. But it, I definitely agree with you about the voice. See, I I knew there were some loose screws. Like when they get to Planet Zero and you just look at the landscape, it looked a little bit video gamey. It was a bit too flat, like a matte painting, like it didn't have much imagination. You in think? It. But then just looking on the whole, in other regards, the special effects would rival Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man get, film. Get, get out. Get off my podcast. Hey, just leave. I'm just saying, you know, side-by-side comparisons, people. If you look at the sets, what they have for but costumes. But see, that's not fair because that's a that's a difference of – more than 10 years. Right. I'm not really trying to grade them side by side in terms of, um, you know, like, a, like from a critical standpoint of like which deserves a trophy. I'm thinking about it more as what does the eye of the the uninformed, the, the novice audience member see when he sees this film? Like someone who just knows nothing about filmmaking. Like you were saying a minute ago, TJ, a lot of people, when they see the Marvel logo at the beginning of this movie, will think, ah, well, this is just another one from the Marvel Studios machine. This Mm. could have been just directed by the same crew that made Joss Whedon's films. When they see this film to the untrained eye, it's going to look like another big budget film. It's just going to – I mean, yeah, there's some shortcomings to it, but there's been shortcomings in a lot of superhero films. There were some special effects uh, problems with uh, The Dark Knight Rises, with The Man of Steel, with The Green Lantern, and on and on it goes. I won't be surprised just uh, by the number of these movies that we kind of gloss over their shortcomings. But it's just in the end, I think that you like if you stop on any particular portion of this film, if you pa- hit pause and uh, you're just a casual observer walking by, you'd say, oh, this looks like a big budget film. It doesn't look like a TV special. But I, I hear what you're saying too. I'm not saying that the the budget was put to good use. I'm not saying the special effects were the best in the business. You know, ILM worthy. I'm just saying that <laughs> it, it looked like it should have been a good budget film, a big budget film, in other ways, just not very nuanced. I just want you to know I don't have strong enough uh, drink in this house to deal with what you're saying. I'm right really now, surprised. So. <laughs> I feel so adamant about this. You know, TJ shared. Uh, a really great uh, YouTube video the other day that talked about CGI. Yes. I thought and, it was wonderful. Uh, and I thought it was, yes, I thought it was wonderful. And and here's what it, I think it comes down to is you mentioned a couple of films, um, like, for example, the, the Dark Knight Rises. I did not notice the the problems with the CGI because the story was so good. Yeah. yeah. And I think... I think if we were to have come into this film saying, oh, my goodness, the story of this film is amazing, it's so much easier to forgive what's going on with the effects. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's a good point. I was just looking for that video. I can't find it. If we can find it, I'll put it in the show notes. Um, so, I, What did you all feel? Okay, let's – Look at a couple of case examples of the CGI work. Rockman, <laughs> what did y'all think of him? I mean, like, did he look better or worse than you were anticipating? Well, I think, Tim, you've already said he looked worse okay. than you were yeah. anticipating. Okay, but and the, then... The thing is, ma- I, I didn't like either. I, okay, I didn't that, like that makes, that's, that's just fine, yeah. CGI. 
And what about Sue Storm and for her, her superpowers? I mean, like, yes, her hair kept changing color, but well, yeah. So, so here, let, let, let's back up here a little bit. They they went in and reshot a whole lot of this movie, and by that point, Kate Mara, fantastic actress, by the way, I have no quibble with yes. with her as an actress. Um, she, she they 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 needed to reshoot because the studio was meddling and they didn't like the film that Josh Trank gave them. But at this point, she had already cut her hair completely differently from Sue Storm for other things and so they put a wig on her and they did not bother to make the wig the right color or to make it even look real like i i didn't even know that going into this film (laughs) i I, I did not know that this was a thing um i I didn't know to look for it and i thought what is happening with her hair what is going on here (laughs) that is so obviously not her hair her hair looked great in the first hour sure because it was her hair yeah Oh, it was just, and, and I hate to, I hate to quibble with a movie over a, a, a woman's hair, but come on, it looks so bad. It looks bad. Go, go for it. I, I had my have complaints with that you, though, because the thing is that that this is a this is a problem that they got wrong with both of these films. Like in two thousand five, Jessica Alba looked terrible, mm-hmm. terrible with blonde hair. That I can agree with. So bad. And and in this film, I was so happy when when I first saw Sue Storm because I'm like, oh, okay. They just kind of gave her some blonde highlights. It, it's perfect. Don't mess it up. And then and they, they messed did. it up. And then they messed <laughs> it up. So my overwhelming sense during this whole movie was, uh, and, and this Joe, this is why the special effects, like everything about this movie, my overwhelming sense was, did I just get in a time machine and go back to the late 90s? Like what is happening here? Everything about this movie screams pre-Marvel superhero movie. It, it's it's so amateurish on every level. See, every that's what I level. felt about the original Fantastic Four films. That That's how I felt they, they where they would stand. But I'm saying, like, I felt like the 2005 Fantastic Four was a product of its time. This feels like a product before that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, I, I, I mean, I, I have to be fair. I have not, uh, read, I, 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 I think I've established this on the show. I'm not really an avid comic book, avid comic book reader. Um, so right, I've this not read a lot wasn't of Marvel. made for the avid fans. It was made for the general public. Y- yeah. But even so, like one of the things that I wanted to mention is I know I've seen Dr. Doom around. I've seen him in pictures of him. He's a cool looking character, right? How do you mess that up? Yeah. And this film did it. This film managed to make him look mm. terrible. I just, Interesting. Oh, man. See, for the record, when I was watching the film, even though this wasn't on par with other special effects work I've seen in recent year, especially, you know, seeing as how we were spoiled with the recent uh, Mission Impossible, just the quality of all things in that film using a bit more practical effects than yeah. usual. And even the CGI work when there felt so just uh, great, just, you know, felt natural. Like you're not thinking about the CG. Uh I I was actually bo- mostly convinced by props, sets, sciencey stuff in the background, costume, wardrobe department stuff. Um, there weren't many things I had to complain about except anything and all things to do with Planet Zero and Doctor Doom. Just horrible that, ideas. Yeah. Yeah. What was up with the Planet Zero stuff anyway? Is that from the comic books? <sighs> it's from it's from an alternate um, it's from an alternate storyline. Hmm. Uh, I, I can look it up while you, while you guys chat amongst yourselves. Okay. So one of the things that struck me about this film is I, um, which I was actually, I thought that I could get on board with, but as the film went on, I realized more and more that it was just spiraling out of control 
it's a very, 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 very long time into the film before we see anything about superheroes before we, before they get their powers. Like we know where this film is going. That that we know that it's the, it's a Fantastic Four film. We know that these guys have to get their powers at some point, and it just takes forever to get there. And it doesn't feel like that the, the, the forever that they're taking is actually exploring anything. It, yeah. it would have been nice if if. It, I would have been fine with waiting as long as we did for them to get their powers if, if it had been meaningful, if we were exploring character development, if we were exploring relationships, if we were exploring anything. But instead we get this uh, – we get nothing. We, we, they're, 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 we get these uh, cuts of them you know, wandering around in the lab and you know, the high-fiving yeah. each other or giving each other dirty looks or <laughs> you, know, you get the, the flirty looks between Sue and, 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 and Reed. And, and, Not very good ones and, too. No, like- terrible. And the, you didn't know how to read half of the acting. Yeah. You, you wanted to, and you would try to read into it and say, I think the suggestion is that they like each other. They're just not doing a very good job of it right now. So we spent more than half of this movie wandering around in a lab. And then all of a sudden, you know, here they're off over into the other dimension. They, they get their, their superpowers. They get, you know, they're all lab rats now. And it's like, but it feels like this is where the film should have started because we didn't do anything before this point. I just like I can't stress enough how much nothing happened until they went to planet zero. Nothing like did. Okay. What well, was they the would point? introduce things like they would allow Sue to have her moment where in two seconds, you're supposed to establish her character in the library. They had Johnny storm uh, making a mess of his life in a car on the road. They would create those establishment scenes like Victor von doom, just whining and complaining about school life the culture and his relationship with Sue, you know, like the, the, everything was just set up after setup until yes, they got to planet X or planet zero. But, but, but you see, I don't, I don't necessarily blame them for that because this is an origin story, right? We, there was a know, lot of that at the beginning of we, Sam Raimi's we Spider-Man. Know, we know that that's going to happen. There's a lot of setting up, and, to and, be done, yeah. and, and I completely, I completely understand. That. And I would not begrudge them that if they had done something during the setup, like if they had, if they had used that wisely. But yeah. in, but instead, like they didn't do anything with it. Nothing happened. Like like what? Okay, what what was the point of all the stuff before Miles Teller uh, and 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 Jamie? What's his name? Um, you know when they used showed the, up at the science fair. Yeah, when they used the kid actors, what was the point of, of that? Like, did that? I think that they off? wanted to establish that Reed Richards was some kind of child prodigy. If they didn't show those early moments, then it, it, it would feel a bit too forced. And and it, like, yeah, right. No way that there's an 18 year old that actually. Oh, because what they put in the movie wasn't forced at all, Joe. Come on, like like you got the. Since when does a school teacher say, "Oh, you." you're stupid you can't you can't fly a car you can't i mean come on what, what well, is the happening? real problem the forced part was that mr doctor well dr storm and sue storm were looking for talent in a high school science fair in the first place <laughs> yeah coming from the baxter foundation what the heck wouldn't they be looking for talent through traditional means you know universities yeah, nasa checking out the latest reports from scientific journals what the heck some random science fair? What? Yeah. And, and another, can you tell me anything about Ben Grimm besides the fact that he grew up no. with an, a, a nasty older brother? I can tell brother. you all of the interesting things to do with Ben Grimm were edited out. <laughs> like, like there was no – like they kept – oh, you're my best friend. You've got to come with us. And like they didn't they, they didn't establish that at all. Not, not, yeah. It was never established. And and to me that that was so frustrating because – Ben in the comics 
has always been the glue that kind of keeps everyone together. It, 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 that's so interesting because th- that's a, the exact opposite case for the film. He, yeah. He's forgot. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Ben was also the comedic relief uh, for a lot of the situations that they were in. And, and you didn't see that at all in, in this film. Yeah. Yeah. I, they, they did not, they did not properly utilize Ben Grimm in any way. Uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't think he was well utilized in 2005, and I felt much more connected to that Ben Grimm than I did this one. Yeah. Um, so did you feel like Act One was just a, a bomb in general, TJ, or was it just bits and parts? Yeah, yes, I, I, I felt, felt like, like it was actually. I felt I mean, like, like it was probably the best part of the movie, and it was a bomb. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It, and, and the <laughs> reason the reason yeah, why it, it was the best part of the movie is because I like. It's maybe it's more accurate to say it could have been the best part of the movie. It had right. so much potential to introduce us to characters in interesting ways, to right. to really let us get into their headspace, to really explore their relationships, to see to see the relationships forming, to see a budding romance between Sue and and Reed, and and all this stuff. There was the, and there was so much potential there, and none of it. It's like it's like oh potential, hard right, hard right, get away from the potential. <laughs> it's, it's like. I, it's just none of it. Yeah. None of it. I have no words, Joe. I have no words. I, I, I run well, a podcast where I talk and I, I have nothing to say here. <laughs> what we're trying to say <laughs> is that this film is plot, hev- plot heavy in a drab sort of way and to mm. the point that everything in the film just feels tired and yet underdeveloped, like exhausted of its potential before it arrives at any potential. It reeks of cliches. It, it, it reeks of just like a um, read your lines. And we'll move on to the next thing today. How, how do you make Reg E. Kathy an uninteresting character? I don't know, but they certainly did it here. I don't, you see, I I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. He's just so wonderful. He's a wonderful man. Yes. And he was very underutilized. It was, it's worse than underutilized. I almost like didn't like him and, and like I didn't want to not <laughs> like him because like it's Reg Kathy. How do you it's, he's wonderful. Have you guys both watched House of Cards? I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah, yep, he's yep. so great in House of Cards. It, it, yep. the, the problem with this movie, I want to stress. Uh, I don't think we've stressed. We've really talked about this too in, enough. The problem with this movie is not the actors. This has a fantastic cast, and yep. just none of them, none of them are well used. None of them work, and it's because of the script. It's because of the directing. It's because of the studio. Whatever. It's not the actors. Because right. again, how do you take Reg Kathy and make him? uninteresting i don't know how how do you even do that i do not know but they i, I did have it. an idea i read this in another review and I, I have to agree with this idea that the film was trying to be serious be very sober about these ideas the other fantastic four films were were lighthearted, um you know playing up the humor at times yeah. the silliness even letting yep. you revel in some of the absurdity a bit like you know the original wizard of oz movie in that way you know you're showing you know, um, the thing and his suit doesn't remind you of anything out of Oz, except the behavior of his character kind of reminds you of the cowardly lion for who knows what reason that it comes to mind. And in this film, just the opposite, like tonally, it wasn't dark, but it was very serious. And that kind of seriousness backfired. It came across as self-centered seriousness that, um, hasn't really paid off in any other superheroes that I can think of, except for the work of Christopher Nolan with Batman. Like you it see, worked and, in that context. And that, that, that's what I was about to, to bring up. And this is what I was telling my wife when we got out of there, because I, I'm telling you, 
watching this movie put me in just such a depressed mood <laughs> for the rest of the day. I can't blame you. Because yeah. I, I was so I was so bummed because I from the trailer I knew it was gonna stink already, but but I went to go watch it anyway. And and I, I think that that's what I came out of it with. One of, one of my biggest observations was exactly that, that this Fantastic Four tries to use that Christopher Nolan model of what superheroes should be like when I think that that just doesn't go with these characters. And, and it was it, it's my same complaint with what they did with Man of Steel. It's like that same formula yeah, of dark, yeah. gritty, you know – heavily texturized film doesn't work for every single movie. Yeah. Uh, yep. And and it seems that some people just don't get that. Yeah. It, it, it's it, like, yes, it yeah. does feel like Marvel's Man of Steel one-off. It, it, that's what it feels like. Or it's what they're trying to do with it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, you know, another thing I j- honestly dislike. Have we moved past all potential forms of likes? I don't. At this point? I, I think literally, Joe. Here, I, I should share a screenshot of my list. Um, it, I have general thoughts, and I have likes, and I have one bullet point, and it says dot dot dot, and then I yeah, have in my notes a long have, <laughs> scroll of dislikes. Yes, same here. I have probably eight hundred <laughs> words under dislikes and a hundred or less under likes, and I think we've already no no no. I'm sorry, more like fifteen. We've already blown past all of them, um, and all the love hate things like. When I'm making a list in, of like, what did I love? What did I hate? What did I kind of love hate? I, I ended up with some love hates in this movie, mm. and we've already blown past those. Uh, another one of my strong hates in this film is their treatment of how interdimensional travel and universes might work. Just, um, it seems like really lazy science fiction. Yes, the laws is a the laws of fix it. Uh, fix it today. Thank you. <laughs> laws of physics in other dimensions, all too similar to our own, like for real, no apparent reason. Why is it that this other dimension ultimately has planets uh, with atmospheres and masses made up with rock material? It just seems very contrived and lazy work because they're trying to make this really straightforward for people that are not into sci-fi. And they could have just done so much more with that and made an interesting uh, complex concept with interdimensional travel and why it would actually be dangerous to create teleporters to go to other universes. But they made it all so simple, like the fact that back here in our world, Sue Storm is able to communicate, have you know, audio and video feeds of what all the guys are seeing no kidding, in real right? time yes. in another dimension yes. without any sort of genuine there was, connection. There was no portal what open, nothing. How are they heck? doing this? What the heck was that about? I have an even more important question regarding interdimensional travel. How does a genius kid build this thing that he thinks is a teleporter but is actually going into interdimensional light? Like what? How, he accidentally was a genius. Like how does that work? What is happening here? <laughs> Yes. He accidentally made interdimensional travel. He thought he was making a teleporter. Well, and he doesn't know. That's just Reed Richards, though. Uh, I, I that's I I I forgive him for that one. Okay, <laughs> All right. I don't. <laughs> can you, but but Tim, can you forgive Franklin Storm for making all kinds of assumptions about you know we're going to gather energy resources from this other dimension? I just know it, and you should fund us because it's the the best idea we've ever had, and it's going to save our world, people. Our world is on the brink of total self-annihilation because we have no more power. We need to waste our energy in order to gain energy from an unknown universe where energy may not even exist. I mean, what? 
Like, what the heck? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, yeah, he, he was just... Again, he, he was such... He's such a good actor, and his character was so bad. <sighs> well, well, while we're mentioning him he, again, this involves one of the problems with the unimaginable number of cliches in this movie. When he died... It was like, oh yeah, we're at that point in the movie. Everybody else's head exploded when they died, but not his because he had some things to say. Yes. And anything he had to say, did y'all notice how lame all the one-liners and dialogue were? It was pathetic. It was like they were trying to have one-liners Joss Whedon style, but they didn't, they weren't up to it. Ah, maybe, but they were just lame. And when he died, (laughs) I didn't care a whit. I'm like, who cares? I could have walked out of the movie when he died. I wouldn't have cared to see the rest of the film. It was just so poor. Uh, we didn't warn the, the listeners at the beginning of this episode, but we're, we're really spoilers. just spoilers everywhere because this movie is so bad. Who cares? <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. If, if people are listening to this and they still feel like they should spend $10 to go watch this, please, <laughs> don't don't do you, this what are you doing with your life <laughs> there's so much better things do you know why i watch this don't movie? be like us i have a podcast <laughs> <laughs> yes so um <laughs> so, so so while we're talking about franklin um it's, it's, so he's promising these kids oh we're gonna we're gonna crack this interdimensional travel thing and then we're gonna send you guys over there you're gonna get to go and and, and the whole thing is just ludicrous like what wait you, you're gonna send these kids over there to, to, you know, it's even questionable that you're having them, do, that they can do all this stuff or whatever, but you're going to send them over there. You don't know anything about what's going on over there. You send a monkey, he never gets out, and he, he had okay vital signs, so it must be okay. And then you're going to send him over there. And then they try to, the film tries to make us feel like the, 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 the Tim Blake character is a bad guy for saying, no, we should send professionals over there first. And they try to make him look really bad and evil. Like the whole thing is just messed up. <sighs> You're so, so right because they wanted to make astronauts at NASA look bad or like entitled or and make you feel bad for the engineers at NASA as though the engineers at NASA feel bad about what they get to do. I mean, come on. And then these entitled brats get drunk and go drunk driving into an <laughs> yes. interdimensional portal yes. with a teleporter like nobody's business. And they even leave out one of their 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 best one of their best in their numbers, Sue Storm. Like, yes. Why did they not even think I was so mad to call about that. her up? She was there so earlier mad. that day. She is responsible for giving them the okay that they were successful in building a usable teleporter. She was the one that actually made the final judgment call that it was quote-unquote safe when the chimp returned from the other side. And they didn't think to call her up. You know who they did think to call up? Ben, ben Grimm. Grimm yes. Who was asleep back at the <laughs> junkyard who and, had never and, been a part of the project. And he's like, wait, are you drunk? He says, well, no. Well, I mean a little, but that's not the point. <laughs> wait, what? you're going to go interdimensional traveling while you're drunk. And oh. and we've already established that he's like, what, an hour away? So like they're waiting. They're, they're going on the spur of the moment, but they're waiting for an hour for Ben to get there. <sighs> none of this none of the time timing in this oh, speaking of timing i told you it's gonna be all over the place speaking of timing what did it buy us to do that thing where it's like oh reed richards he's got to escape he's gonna escape and oh and, and one year later what yes. the heck did that well, buy you, us you, you just flew forward can't we back up for a few <laughs> yes uh, just real I'm quick sorry. i gotta complain this is just a statement of how horrible this movie is they were genetically corrupted by green goo i mean what 
Like, how often have we blamed it on it's, the green goo I mean, stuff? It's the Ghostbusters, man. Why did they have to introduce <laughs> green goo? What? Anyway. Tim, and, please, is, is this part of, please tell us that maybe this is founded in some sort of comic book lore of Fantastic Four? No. I no? Mean, no. <laughs> okay, no. Every, everything you're saying is, is, uh, is completely correct, and I agree with you, and I'm just so, so bummed out. <laughs> So, so like, yeah, he's sticking his hand, remember, in the green goo, and he's like, I can, I can feel it pulsing. I can, like, feel its heartbeat and everything, and it's, like, alive. And, but, like, we never established anything after that. Like, it was, like, this thing that was throwaway that didn't have anything. It wasn't connected. Like, I, I guess it's alive. Okay. And we care because, because we never hear about it again for the rest of the film. I can't believe the, the climax of this film, this fight between the Fantastic Four which are not so fantastic <laughs> against Dr. Doom lasts yes. what feels like two to three minutes. Uh, well, in one way, yes. And the other way, it felt really, really, really freaking long. <laughs> Cause like it, it's the stupidest fight ever. It is. It really is. They get to demo their powers, quote unquote powers like one time and then it's over. I mean, honestly, when the, we, when it wasn't we, the most amazing, interesting demo of anything I've ever seen. It was lame. When we got to the climax, I was sitting there going, OK, th- th- this is like uh, this is like the climax of the second act. Right. This is this is like building up to the big yes. thing. Like the, you were this building is gonna, up to the big thing. Th- this is going to end. We're actually going to get into some good film part of the film now. This, this is going to end. They're going to be like they're going to have their tail tucked between their legs. This black hole is sucking the <laughs> earth in. They got to go home. They got to recalibrate and they got to figure out how to defeat Dr. Doom. But that's not what happened. They all of a sudden had this plan out of nowhere and defeated Doctor Doom in a way that didn't make any sense. And and then they went home, and that was the end of the film. And and I'm sitting here going, "What just happened?" <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, going back to what we said about taking the humor out of the premise of the Fantastic Four, making it oh so self serious. Reed's power is inherently awkward and humorous, and this film takes the humor right out of the stretchy guy oh, yeah. and leaves him serious about everything, which is to its detriment. And his powers, they're they're always just laughable and ridiculous, but this film tried to take it oh so serious. So you can understand why the thing has some extra super strength and he is really well built, like strong, like stone, like rock. He It's really hard to beat him up. You know, a tank power can't really hurt him. Because he's made of this otherworldly rock. He's not even made of a rock substance like ours. It's extra durable. And then you have Sue Storm's powers. Yes, <laughs> she can become the invisible woman. She's Glinda. She can also create. She's Glinda from Wizard of Oz, man. Yes. She can also create force filled bubbles and wield herself around <sighs> like the fantastic, uh, what was it, the Incredibles daughter, Violet. And. All things considered, that's actually pretty fantastic powers. Like at the bottom of the barrel, they're not close to the bottom of the barrel of powers. If I, if someone just wanted to give me superpowers one day and I didn't get to choose and they said, well, you get the powers of Sue Storm, I'd be like, eh, I, I can deal with that. And then you also have Johnny Storm who has like really cool powers, okay? And they're they're powerful. You can see how they would have practical use cases fighting supervillains. And then you have – Mr. Stretchy Guy, and it, it's just really hard to appreciate how you can take him seriously in a fight, but then they do their best effort when he is attacked in the boonies, when, you know, at his shack, and you have armed agents of Area 57 from the government who 
weren't able to keep up with him for a year. I mean, like he was an untrained, nerdy teenager who evaded super secret government organization agents (laughs) for 12 months. And then when they find him, he's not had any combat experience at all. And he's able to disarm four or five of them with guns and beat him and knock him up, you know, knock him out. And the only thing to stop him is Thang, who basically just shows up on the ground and punches a tree and argues with him a point, and then, you know, Reed gives up. I, I just yeah. everything to do with how they demonstrated what made Reed interesting or unique was flavorless and unconvincing. Just, just sad. While we're talking so, about Reed, I just want to point out that entire South American plot was a complete waste of time. What did that accomplish? <laughs> yeah, it was like taken from the Hulk movie. Like he's I mean, building – we established that he's building this thing. He's going to like reverse whatever's going on and then that never comes into play again. Yeah. <sighs> it, it was a waste. It was a literal time kill. It was just oh. – Can I Can I talk a little bit about the things that I did like though? You have things you liked. Go ahead. Did you just write this up? Are we? Are we at that point? Um, I did like that they didn't do the whole. Oh, I was invisible, but now I'm just in my underwear thing. That they did from the first Fantastic Four. That was so disappointing about that first film. Um, I'm glad that Johnny Storm wasn't portrayed as a jerk in this film. Mm, Whereas yeah. I totally felt like Chris Evans was a jerk. He was definitely in in the first in the in the first ones. Yep. Um, so I I did like that. Um. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> um, I think those are my only two likes. <laughs> we we need to we need to wrap up soon. I just want to run through a, a, a I, I literally have nothing to like, so that's out. I do have a list here of things that we haven't talked about. I just want to mention in passing because they're just so horrible. They waited a year to ask um, to ask what's her name to help find Reed. They waited a year to help ask her to track down Reed. What what kind of what is how does that make sense? Um, they tell they tell the rest of the team after Reed escapes he left and he's never coming back. Well, well, how do they know that? How do they know he's never coming back? But then it's just an assumption that's taken for granted, so he doesn't. I mean, like. Oh, Reed, Reed can change his face. He can look like anybody else. What? That's never been a power of 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 Mr. Fantastic. What is what is this? You yeah. know, I'd almost be okay with that. Like web shooters coming <laughs> right out of Tobey Maguire's wrists, you know. I but, see that I actually like that better than the stupid box yeah. things. But anyway, um yeah. And then, and then at the end of the film they're like Give us a science facility or else. You don't want to know what happens if you say no to us. Like, wait, these are the good guys? <laughs> yeah. Well, for the fact <sighs> of the matter, there is no way that the government would give them the new science facility after they were responsible for the near end of the world. I mean, come on. Even if you saved the world, the only reason that you had to save the world was because a moment before that, you nearly ended the world. Yes. Yeah, I completely agree. And you totally abused the resources – all of the development, all of the technology that you were working on that really didn't belong to you. It belonged to the Baxter Foundation. You, you, you flat out, you just did like the complete opposite of what your mentor, Dr. Storm, wanted you to do, what everybody wanted you to do. Again, you were drunk driving in a teleporter. Like, <laughs> come on. 
Uh, yes. Uh, that is the only reason why they couldn't bring up Sue Storm and get her involved in that scene. There's no way that anyone would have believed that Sue would put up with that nonsense. They had established that she was a more sensible person. I, I don't disagree. Yeah, she was in the comics. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I mean, the only other thing is, is why does Dr. Doom like planet zero? Like I, nothing about that makes sense. And why does he have such a thing? Again? Why does he have to destroy the earth? Like because of reasons, that's all the script says he's going to destroy the earth. And so, yeah, that's something that really disappointed me because they, they made Dr. Doom seem like a pouty child without without any you know rhyme or reason as to why he was doing anything and, and that that was that was disappointing yeah you had one more thing joe we, we do need to be moving to the wrap-up territory but you had i think okay. one more thing i'll blaze through a few of these um we've never rated a film so low at least i can't remember the last time i rated a film this well, low so i want to col- give a few more good reasons collectively we haven't uh, in general, I had a whole section on nonsensical developments in this film. I've mentioned a couple. I want to mention a few more. Near the beginning when Reed Richards meets Sue Storm and they're just chatting in the library, Reed assumes that Sue doesn't know what the book The 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is. <laughs> I mean, what? It's it's a literary classic. Yeah, you know? everybody's At this point, heard of it. My five-year-old has probably heard of it. Fantastic and book, by the way. Yeah. Sue designs their spacesuits, knows everything to do with music theory, interdimensional travel communications, and, in quotation marks, science. Well, you, so, my thought on the suits is you know that, that spacesuits have already been designed, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not that big a deal. <sighs> then you have Franklin Storm. He, he didn't account for the differences in another universe, which I brought up earlier. And it, it's just kind of lame that everybody – they, they, like when he was arguing with the military and the government officials that he could silence all of their arguments by saying, we need energy to save the world. You know this. It's like, uh, no, I don't really know this. And how do you think you're going to get the energy resources from another dimension? Why don't you try somewhere else in our own freaking solar system first? <laughs> um, then you got Johnny Storm. He's sort of a stereotypical bad black teenager until he joins the science, the scientists and then he only does grunt work and loses all semblance of personality for the rest of the film. You know, that was kind of a, a disappointing quality to him. Like, I agree with you, Tim, that it was good that he wasn't overly cocky and uh, like a womanizer. Th- that he actually um, – it, it turns out to be an okay guy with a level head after coming around and seeing the light over various problems. But also, he just became more and more bland as the situations called for them. You got to be a less and less interesting character. Then you have uh, they they were keeping Victor on the research and the design team at Baxter's Foundation, and that just seems like a huge mistake. This guy sounds like he's a crackpot. When when Victor is like describing his his problems with society and and, and their projects and and with the storms. And then Dr. Storm still wants him involved on the team, knowing how crazy, the, uh, dangerous interdimensional travel can really be. It seemed very weird to count on Victor ahead of experts, say, again, from NASA. Like, why is it so bad to let people from NASA work on this project? No, we really want the loose cannon on this project. That's what we really want. <laughs> right. You know, I have another dozen of these. It's just 
there were those kinds of stupidities they were just trying to pull over the audience's eyes. I agree. I agree 100%. All right, Tim, let's, let's, uh, why don't you wrap this up with your final thoughts on, on what you feel like, uh, was ultimately wrong with this movie and your recommendation and your star rating. Uh, I think I've spoken enough about how much I just dislike this film. Um, I give it a one star. Uh, don't, don't, don't go see this movie in theaters. Please don't give them your money. Um, if you can, if, if you can somehow rent it, but you didn't pay for it, that'd probably be the best option. <laughs> don't, but why would you assault your eyes that way? <laughs> <laughs> Joe? Although the source material is pretty strong for the Fantastic Four, I like the source material. I like the concept. Hollywood doesn't seem capable of making these superheroes appear all that fantastic these days. Maybe we need to wait another 10, 20 years you know, before they can get out of this, this, this uh, black hole <laughs> because they just appear to be boring. Even though the characters' premises, their concepts are interesting, everything to do with them is just lame. And so it turns out to be a huge disappointment, much like the Man of Steel. Yeah, I, I, I'd say I like Man of Steel better, actually. Did you have a star rating in there? No, I'm going to give it one and a half stars for reasons that we they're feeling, unique to me. Feeling generous. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say that is generous. <sighs> um, so uh, I feel like that the the heads that were exploding in this film – uh, when Dr. Doom was just walking through the halls and everybody's head started to explode because of reasons of powers that were not explained, I feel like that's a metaphor for this entire film and what it did to <laughs> my head. My head exploded from watching this film. Um, I do not recommend this film. Even if you, uh, even if somebody's like going to rent it for you and pay for it and then let you watch it, I would not recommend assaulting your eyes in this manner. There are better things to do with your time. Um, do not watch this film. Do not give them your money. Do not support it. I wish that I could take back the money that I gave for this film. It is freaking terrible. I, I can't say enough bad things about it. Uh, and I give it one out of five stars only for the reason that I feel like um, I, I gave Cloud Atlas half a star. And I feel like this is just I would just rather watch this film just a little bit more than Cloud Atlas. Um, so that's uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Uh, IMDb users are feeling quite generous and rating it four out of 10 stars. And then the critics on Rotten Tomatoes have a 9%. There's a 9% approval rating from critics and a 23% approval rating from audiences. Those 23% do not know what they're talking about. <laughs> Agreed. <sighs> yes. Agreed. Next week, we're going to have a special guest on the show. and We're going to be talking about Mr. Holmes. So I'm looking forward to that quite a bit. Um, so in the meantime, uh, where can people find your work, Tim? And, and they can keep up. I think you're, you're, uh, you're planning something special in the near future and people may want to subscribe to your list and follow your Twitter and things like that. So tell people where they can do that. Yes. Uh, you can find me as T Tim Smith on Twitter. And, uh, if you, uh, want to stay in touch with, uh, one of my latest projects, you can go to towermedia.org. Sweet. Joe, where can people find you in the work that you do? I am underscore Joe Darnell on Twitter, and my other podcasts are Top Brew and Tectonic. All right, and you can find me on Twitter as well. I am TJ Draper Pro. Uh, I tweet all kinds of uh, things about movies that I hate, like this one sometimes. Um, and uh, you can find me there, TJ Draper Pro. 
Uh, you can also find uh, MovieByte on Twitter. If you want to follow MovieByte, uh, the reason you might want to do that, this podcast is ending very soon within the next couple of episodes, but we will be tweeting from the official MovieByte account when our reboot launches, and uh, we'll have a lot more information for you along the way. So uh, keep your eyes open for that. Make sure you're following the MovieByte Twitter account. It is a low-volume account. There's not a lot of expense there to it, so there's no reason why you shouldn't be following that. If you feel like I'm too high-volume, I... I tweet something like uh, 20 times a day, then then the MovieByte account is probably the one for you. Um, so that's where you can find me and where you can find MovieByte. You'll find show notes for this episode at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 148. And uh, that's it for us this week. We hope you will tune in next week to hear our review of Mr. Holmes. Until then, thanks for joining me, gentlemen. We'll see you later. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.